0: Welcome to the Complete Leader Podcast, giving leaders the tools and information they need to grow and change their world. Now, here's your host, Dale Dixon.
1: Finding the seed of opportunity in every challenge. This is the Complete Leader Podcast, everything you need to become a high-performing leader. Today, we are diving into problem solving. Hopefully, you've been able to uh, join us through the series of conversations about problem solving, and this is part three with Ron Price, co-author of the book *The Complete Leader*. Ron, great to be with you today. Good to be with you, Dale. So, as we as we concluded the last conversation, you left us with these words: "You are excited to talk about wicked messes."
0: <laughs> yes. So, in problem solving, when we say "wicked," we don't mean evil what we mean is complex, or we've also described it as nonlinear. So these problems are not solved just using the scientific method. Because they're more tangled, they're more, um, they've got more factors involved in them. They're not just logical problems, oftentimes they, they bring emotions into the equation as well. So when we talk about wicked messes, or some engineers refer to these as hot messes, We're talking about these big bunches of tangled knots that we have to work through in order to solve a problem.
1: So how do we recognize a nonlinear problem? You gave us some good ways to recognize linear problems, but still wrapping my head around this idea of what does that nonlinear problem look like? Probably the biggest way
0: we recognize that we're dealing with a wicked mess or a nonlinear problem is we don't see an immediate solution or we recognize that it's not going to be easy to get to that. So first of all, they tend to be long-term, and they don't yield to the scientific approach. Sometimes we begin to use the scientific approach, treating them like they're linear, and we quickly realize, oh, this model's not gonna work for this one, it's got a lot more going on. So if you face a problem that seems overly complex, meaning every time you turn around, there seems to be another contributing cause, there's a good chance that you're dealing with something that's nonlinear. Another way that we recognize them is if there are a lot of different opinions about what's causing the problem or what the effect is or how we should solve it. So as an example of that, Dale, a lot of social problems that we face in society fit into this category. We could just, for instance, just look at the problem of poverty and the fact that a lot of people think there are different causes. A lot of people think there are different solutions. People have different opinions about how we should go about addressing it. These are all good clues that we're dealing with a nonlinear problem that's complex. It isn't a simple cause and effect, but there are many different aspects of it that we're going to have to deal with. And in this case, it's like a lot of knots, and we're going to have to figure out how we can deal with each one of those knots on its own merit. And then last of all, you know that you probably have a nonlinear problem if it's been around for a long time and if it has a relational aspect to it. So a lot of people problems, a lot of problems with people getting along or working well with each other or underperforming, a lot of these problems are really nonlinear problems and they don't yield to the typical scientific approach.
1: So then how do we attack nonlinear problems differently? I'm I'm assuming they take a different approach.
0: They do. And again, we go back to the first... A recommendation I gave at the beginning of our conversations about problem solving. We have to understand the problem to begin with. So when you begin to recognize that you're dealing with a complex problem or a wicked mess, you got to begin with patience. You have to recognize that you're probably dealing with a whole series of factors. You're dealing with a whole series of tangles and knots. And so to push for quick results, to use willpower and say, we are going to fix it, we're going to fix it now. Just makes things worse it just complicates the problem even more so we've got to take a breath we have to slow down and we have to be willing to work on one not at a time we have to realize that if we try to fix it all at once what we're really doing is just tightening up all the knots and it's gonna make it take longer not shorter so that's mm-hmm. the beginning point next it's important to realize that um, sometimes problems can't be solved Completely. Sometimes you have to learn how to live with a problem. Sometimes it's our job as a leader to focus on minimizing them. I, I, one of the things that I've often thought of when I'm facing these complex problems is my first step is to isolate and minimize. So I don't want to make it worse. I don't want to amplify it. I don't want to broadcast it. I don't want to get everybody stirred up about it. Instead, I ask myself, what can I do to isolate and minimize the different components of this problem? because the more I can separate them and deal with each one on its own, the greater chance I'll have of having an impact on the big wickedness or complex problem overall. So, this can be a test. It can be a test of how we manage our emotions. Uh, oftentimes, problems and frustration are very close to each other, and we often say, well, just fix it. I don't, don't bring me your problems. Go fix them. Or we have outbursts. And when we do those things, we're just adding more knots to an already complex problem. So we've got to be willing to make small progress a little at a time. And sometimes when you're dealing with a wicked mess or a nonlinear problem, you're going to go forward two steps and backward one, or you might go backwards three steps. And you have to recognize that that's just part of the process. It's painstaking problem solving. But Dale, leaders who learn how to deal with these nonlinear complex problems end up being some of the best leaders and they end up getting some of the greatest opportunities to make a difference because they've learned how to deal with stuff that other people can't deal with.
1: Hmm. Do you get just a sly smile on your face when you hear a politician give a three-point plan to address the problem of poverty or any of the other big complex nonlinear problems that we face as a society?
0: and, you know, Dale, I, I think I might be wrong, but the way I interpret it is that those leaders realize these are complex problems, but they're just playing to their audience because they're looking for votes and they know that people tend to have this bias of just go fix it and that every, if everybody would just live the way I think they should live, all our problems would go away. And so I, 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 my suspicion is that politicians, when they're running – Or when they're posturing for power, use these simple approaches as if every problem is linear. But when you actually dig in and try to really solve a problem, you begin to realize that it's complex, even to the point where you have people who have very, very different ideas for what they need to get out of it. And so um, I think if we as the citizenry, if we as the electorate, electorate would insist that our leaders present to us better analysis, better diagnosis, and not just come up with simple solutions. I think we would see government begin to change. And I I think that most of those politicians either would not return to office or they would begin to behave the way we elected them to behave and we'd like them to behave going forward.
1: Excellent points. So do you have some tips for us on starting to address and, and, take apart nonlinear problems.
0: I do, and this actually draws from another skill that we talk about in The Complete Leader, and that's the skill of negotiation. Because oftentimes, solving a problem requires having the same kind of framework, the same kind of skills that we use when we're negotiating a conflict. So it begins with, if you're gonna untangle a complex problem, start with the interpersonal conflict that exists. If there are problems people have relating to each other, if people automatically react in a negative way to others, if they just automatically assume that the other person is stupid or the other person is selfish or the other person doesn't have their interests, we've got to deal with those things first because that's noise that will continually retighten the knots that we're trying to untie. So we deal with interpersonal conflict. Secondly, Take the time to ask yourself, what are the desired outcomes that we want? What will it look like when this problem is resolved so that we all agree on that? It gives us sort of a compass, a north star that we can work toward as we work through the problem. So you identify the desired outcomes and get everybody involved on board that, yes, this is where we want to end up. We would all consider this a win. We'd all be happy with this outcome. Number three, once you've dealt with the interpersonal conflict and you've defined where you want to get to in the end, focus on the issues of the problem or an analysis of the problem that, as much as possible, is non judgmental and not driven by demands. So, what I mean by this is when somebody says, Well, it's got to be this way, well, we need to ask why. We need to ask what's behind that so that we get down to what are the underlying issues. Or outcomes, because oftentimes people's demands are about process, not about the end. So we we need to make sure that we get the issues clearly defined, and that we don't get waylaid or distracted by people making demands. And then once we've gotten to that point, now we encourage creativity. And you know, Dale, we've talked in previous podcasts about creativity that there are two primary types. One is Improvisational creativity, which is where we develop as many possibilities, as many ideas as we can, and we we try to push Our imagination, the boundaries of our imagination further and further out because it creates new options for us. And the other kind of creativity is what we call compositional creativity. This is where we now begin to analyze possibilities, to develop little experiments, to try things out. So it's the ebb and flow or the oscillation between improvisational and compositional creativity that helps us begin to understand how we can untangle these knots. And then we can use the scientific methods that we've already discussed, because essentially every nonlinear problem is still a combination of a whole bunch of smaller problems that can often be linear and they can be solved. So what we're trying to do is untangle it enough so that we can see smaller chunks that are linear that we can go after, And um, when we begin to do that, then we begin to get closer to a solution to the overall wicked mess that we're dealing with. And then last of all, if you've done all those things, you've dealt with the interpersonal conflict, you've desired your outcomes that everybody agrees with, you've gotten focused on issues and not just demands, you've encouraged creativity, both improvisational and compositional, and now you're beginning to use the scientific approach with knots that look like they're manageable, Now start to look for and build early wins because those early wins will give you confidence that you can keep going. They'll help you to think about making progress. And depending on the complexity of the problem, you may never get across the finish line, but you can deal with a lot of the knots if you're patient and if you keep going. So when you take this kind of approach, the way I try to sum it up is that sometimes going slow is fast but if you go fast, it'll end up being slow. Meaning that if you try to solve a complex problem quickly, you might take it longer to get to a lasting solution, but if you'll slow down and look at the different parts of it and go through these steps that we've talked about, you may actually get that problem solved much quicker than you thought you could, or you might get it solved when it didn't look like you would ever get it solved using some other approach.
1: I fish probably once or twice a year at most, so I'm not very good at it. And usually every time I end up with a big tangle of fishing line. And (laughs) I'm just thinking about this approach to getting it untangled. If you look at the big mess and try to get it apart, it takes forever and it usually gets worse. When you focus in on one small area and just get one twist of line apart at a time, before you know it, It's all undone. And
0: of course, a lot of us that are part-time fishermen, the way that we deal with those tangles is we just cut the line. (laughs) (laughs) But the problem is in life, (laughs) you can't do that. Life won't
1: let you just cut the line. This is true.
0: This is where we have to really learn how to be complex problem solvers and accept that this is a part of being a complete leader is learning how to untangle those knots one at a time.
1: So we've had three now podcasts that have looked at this concept of problem-solving. I'm going to ask that you summarize it, put a neat bow on top of it for all of us that's not tangled. (laughs) Great. Well,
0: you're probably going to say, I think I've heard Ron say that once or twice already, But you first begin by making sure you understand the problem. So is it a linear problem or a nonlinear problem? Can we identify a root cause? Or root causes or are there invisible root causes? Do we have a lot of different opinions that we need to work with? Do we understand whether it's common cause or special cause? And so first understand the problem using the language that we've been talking about over these last three conversations. Number two, think about the appropriate time frame for solving this problem. Linear problems are going to tend to have shorter time frames nonlinear problems will have longer time frames. I understand sometimes we have to solve a crisis created by a problem now, but maybe we realize we're just doing a quick fix and the fundamental cause of the problem is not going to go away, that later we're going to have to go back and do more study, and we're going to have to identify more of the factors involved so that we keep That problem from coming back again. We really solve it for the long term. So, understand the appropriate time frame for each problem that you're trying to solve. And then, third, think carefully about who should be involved in solving that problem and in how. So, who can help in identifying the root cause? A lot of times, as leaders, especially if we're senior leaders, we think that we can intuit or instinctively identify the root cause of the problem. And sometimes we become a part of the problem because we don't help our people be the problem solvers by helping them to diagnose and then prescribe and then experiment and see what results they get. So think about who should be involved. Who should be involved in implementing the solution? So, with nonlinear problems, the problem solving team may ebb and flow throughout the process because they're more complex. It's, you might have one team that works on this part of a nonlinear problem or a wicked mess, and another team that works on this part. So, take the time to think through who are the ideal people to be involved, who will benefit most from solving this problem, and who has the expertise and the, um, the sight lines to be able to help us understand the causes and then come up with good solutions.
1: Fantastic. Ron Price, co-author of the book, the complete leader, encourage you to subscribe to this podcast. If you have not done so already so that you get a new episode each and every week while you are there, if you would rate and review the podcast, we would be most grateful. And of course, if this series on problem solving has helped you be sure to share it with someone who you you like, appreciate, and you see as on this leadership journey. Each and every week, a new discussion for you to grow your leadership acumen. It is the Complete Leader Podcast. Ron, any final words to send us off?
0: I'll go back to the beginning, Dale. Every problem, adversity, or heartache has contained within it a seed of equivalent or greater benefit. Go figure it out.
1: And with that, have a great week. This is the Complete Leader Podcast. Everything you need to become a high-performing leader.
0: Thanks for listening to the Complete Leader Podcast. Find more online, thecompleteleader.org.